May is Fibromyalgia Awareness Month. It's important to raise awareness about this chronic and often debilitating invisible illness known as fibromyalgia. This month-long campaign is an opportunity to educate people about the symptoms, causes, and treatments of fibromyalgia, as well as to show support for those living with these and other related invisible illnesses. Through increased awareness, we can work towards better understanding and management of fibromyalgia and ultimately improve the quality of life for those who are affected by it. And now on to this week's episode. During last week's episode, we heard about the struggle starting in Margaret Mitchell's college years. Although she was extremely intelligent and creative and talented, she had many struggles. Margaret Mitchell's story was discussed in a couple journal articles that I found looking at her life and showed that she met the criteria for both fibromyalgia and ADD. A hundred years ago, we didn't understand fibromyalgia. There was something called fibrositis, which I will talk about on future episodes. It was a guess on what the problem was. They were the same type of symptoms, but now we know that their explanation for the symptoms was incorrect. She also met the criteria for ADD. We are walking through her story to help you understand that you're not the only one who's gone through this. She didn't even get the diagnosis of fibromyalgia or an explanation for her struggles. She was extremely frustrated, and I know that many of you who are battling fibromyalgia may be extremely frustrated as well. As we walk together, hearing her story, I will help break down her symptoms and her signs and try to draw some insight into your own journey and your own battle. I find history to be extremely interesting. I had a class in my undergrad pre-medical program called Medical History and hope to talk more about what was in the mind of the doctors back then. How did they look at medical problems and what did they know about medical problems, including fibromyalgia-type symptoms? If this is your first episode, I am your host, Dr. Michael Lenz. I am a pediatrician and internal medicine doctor. That's a doctor that cares for adults but doesn't do any surgery on them and doesn't deliver babies. And I also am a lifestyle medicine physician that is a doctor who has gotten extra training in the non-medical management of medical problems that talks about exercise, diet, stress management, battling addictions. I decided to become a pediatrician and an internal medicine doctor because in one sense I did not want to just specialize in one organ system in the body that specialists have. And this actually has played out really well because dealing with fibromyalgia, it is much more than one typical organ system. And for a physician who has an interest, who is a pediatrician, internal medicine doctor, or family practice doctor, this is something that is and should be right up your ballpark, something that you can really 
manage. Managing fibromyalgia is actually one of the most rewarding, at times frustrating, both for the patient and the doctor, but most rewarding problems I take care of. While I am a doctor, I am not your doctor. So remember, take all of this discussion today to your physician and use this as a starting point to help you on your journey going from not just learning to live and endure fibromyalgia without any hope for healing. During this week's episode, you are going to start hearing the plight of Margaret's early days of fibromyalgia. As we've discussed on the first couple episodes, Margaret was extremely creative in her childhood. She and a friend, Courtney Ross, wrote, staged, and acted in many different plays. They had a very charming ability and really had a vivid imagination. They were a delightful company together and were just very interesting, as many people who have ADD are. They just are very creative, very talkative. One of Margaret's oldest ambitions was to write comedies and short stories. She loved movies. She adored dancing and danced very well. And she had been known as a comic figure and was a holy terror in her time. From 1919 to 1922, so from around age 19 to 22, she constantly fought with her brother and her father and her grand grandmother. The outward conflict reflected a no-man's-land of inner strife. And unfortunately, her body ended up becoming the battleground. She had accidents at the age of 3 and 11, when she hurt her leg. After 1919, sickness, disease, accidents, and physical disabilities became the hallmark of her life. And the magnitude and number of these ailments became critical, if not the dominant element of the impression she gave of herself. Almost every letter that she wrote after this time makes reference to to some element of this recurrence of this some kind of disability or weakness or struggle that she was having. In 1919, it started with the diagnosis of appendicitis that was treated with surgery. And then she had a six-week bout with influenza. In 1920, at the age of 20, she complained that she either had a torn ligament or misplaced or displaced, whichever it may be, a joint in her hip or sacroiliac or something or another. The physician would prescribe bed rest. And she would say, if I'm real good, he will give me a plaster cast, and that will mean six weeks of rest. She re-aggravated it eight weeks later. She had kicked a brick in shallow water while swimming, breaking her foot. She didn't have it set and continued to dance, swam, drove, and hiked. For all I was worth, she said, which didn't improve at all. Finally, it gave out, and so did I. 
She had four bad accidents the following winter, including a riding accident where she injured her leg, causing her to give out riding. This set off a series of other ailments and complaints that troubled her the rest of her life. She therefore attributed to this accident what she called adhesions of the intestines. She described it as just about everything below my waistline was out of place and growing to everything that they shouldn't. She had recalled more accidents, including falling down a ravine, possum hunting, and causing what she called were fractured ribs. In addition to all of these, she suffered from persistent and near debilitating insomnia. So looking back early in her young adult life after having a pretty fun childhood, she did have academic struggles, but had a enjoyed being creative. She was extremely active, as as I've talked on previous episodes. Many people who have fibromyalgia were extremely active when they were younger. For people who are only meeting them into their adult lives when they're struggling, would be shocked and surprised to know how active they were at earlier ages. And again, we talk about the symptoms of ADD being and some of the blessings of having ADD, if you want to call it that, are that high creativity and that drive to be physically active all the time. Unfortunately, there's also was a fair amount of emotional turmoil as she had difficulty getting along with her brother, father, and her grandmother. And as we know, when you're dealing with fibromyalgia, emotional turmoil, interpersonal relationships can cause stress. And stress is that part of that alarm signal that there's something wrong. And one of the ways that people with fibromyalgia experience this is as having higher levels of pain. And that's something that she had For many people, like Margaret, they're much more accident-prone if they have ADHD. And she had many accidents. Now, one of the interesting observations here is that she had this appendicitis that was treated with surgery. It's hard to know for sure if she truly did have an appendicitis. Back then, there weren't a lot of other options. So when you had stomach pain, it there weren't a lot of treatments. You know, if you could have, she could have had irritable bowel syndrome early. They went in, did surgery, removed the appendix, but that didn't cure her symptoms. Then she had a long bout of influenza that was about six weeks. That's pretty long for influenza. Most influenza does not last that long, uh, that almost is the length of a, more often of a mononucleosis. And that makes me think of the struggles that people have now with COVID and recovering from COVID. I've seen a number of patients who've had their fibromyalgia symptoms occur after getting COVID and 
the more severe symptoms being in the first couple weeks, but then they have many months now, even over a year of symptoms that have persisted by the time I've gotten a chance to see them. And this, again, is a stress to the body. And this turns on this alarm system and people who have fibromyalgia, their body doesn't turn off the alarm as quickly. Also, when you have a illness like influenza or severe COVID, that can cause somebody to initially become a lot less active because they're feeling tired and run down. For people who don't have fibromyalgia, they don't need to be active to feel normal. The exercise itself works therapeutically to suppress or activate the break on pain. But when the alarm is turned on and now they're feeling tired and run down, their lungs may be feeling better, but all of the cytokines, those are the chemical messengers uh, released by your immune system, the white blood cells, one of the symptoms is to make you feel tired and more achy and run down. And that gets to the blurring the border between the acute illness transforming into this more chronic illness. And that's similar to acute pain and that morphing into this more chronic pain for, in her story too, when she talks about she either had a torn ligament or something, but ligaments that are torn typically or a sprained ankle, a bad sprain might take up to six weeks, but most are within a couple of weeks, depending on how severe they are. But her pain persisted much longer than you'd expect. Then she had injured herself by kicking a brick and breaking her foot. I don't know. It doesn't say whether she actually had an x-ray confirming it. it. Sounds like she may not have gone to the doctor, but she had pretty severe pain. There may have been a broken toe, hard to say, but it caused at least a significant contusion to the bone and soft tissue. Again, most of that would typically get back to feeling better within about four to six weeks. This foot problem, as we'll hear later, continues to aggravate her throughout life. And again, that is that acute pain, and for many will have chronic pain, gets turned into that persistent on switch for pain. She had some more accidents and other ailments. She, again, liked riding, which is very therapeutic and fun for her, and, but then had injuries, again, that were causing problems. She had an accident, and that accident she uh, called or contributed to what she called adhesions of the intestines. And she had these severe pains in the lower abdomen. And when you look at pain that's in the lower half of the abdomen below the belly button, that usually is in the colon. And the symptoms are likely related to Irritable bowel syndrome. The symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome are abdominal pain that's chronic, often associated with either constipation or diarrhea or both. The pain is out of proportion to what you'd expect. 
back then, they didn't have the understanding of what irritable bowel was. And irritable bowel falls under that umbrella of fibromyalgia. So they often might have just labeled it adhesions. Back then, the therapeutic options they had were surgery. And that diagnosis being thrown out as possible adhesions, which can sometimes occur, but usually with a appendicitis that would not have been a typical problem. And with her known history of fibromyalgia-type symptoms would fit more along of an irritable bowel syndrome. One of the contrasting observations that she made of herself and that we can make of her story is that on one hand, she's this very active person who just loves to be active. She considered herself a baseball player, a quarterback, and a jockey of horses. And yet she also described herself as this fragile little thing. So she had to battle this. She's struggling with pain and suffering, yet she wants to be very active. And I know that for many people who have fibromyalgia, they have those opposing forces that tug of war, pulling them to be active. And sometimes when you're more active, you actually hurt more. Yet you have this internal restless drive to want to do things, or at least when you have more mild to moderate symptoms. Often when somebody has such severe symptoms, they're so mentally and physically exhausted. The thought of being physically active is just a dream, but something that did happen earlier in their life. When we now get back to her story. Um, she talks about future charges by doctors of hypochondria and the like that would just send her into rages. Of course, hypochondria is the idea that, oh, you're just making this up. It's just all in your head. And she was experiencing this, as all my patients and all of you who have fibromyalgia, is this is a completely real problem. But she admittedly had no qualms or problems about connecting her physical ailments with her mental disabilities or struggles. She did this over and over. She would say her psych betrayed her otherwise healthy body. She said, I go to pieces under heavy nervous strain. That reacts on me physically, and I just go under. And she said, and believe me, I've been living under this terrible tension for a month and had something that had to break. Two years later, at the age of 21, she was losing the battle of what she called her black depression. She reported repeated fractures of her ribs. She tried not to write unless she could write cheerful letters instead of a rambling letter of hard luck and bitterness. This is something that many of you likely have observed in your own story, how stress does have an impact. Yet you may look and say, well, I don't see anything that is physically swollen, although it might feel that way, and start to recognize, why is it 
that's the doctor said, hey, there's nothing mechanically wrong. You don't have something that's inflamed in your body. You don't have an inflamed joint. Although, again, many people who have fibromyalgia can have other coexisting medical problems and doesn't mean you don't have that. But for her, there were some hypotheses, some ideas of what was causing the problems. Maybe she had some intestinal adhesions that were an explanation. But it's interesting how she calls this her black depression. And if you read her book, Gone with the Wind, she is so good with her words in describing feelings and describing people and describing and using uh, to write stories. And black depression, I think of the idea that somebody is in such a deep, dark, hopeless hole without any hope for getting better. When you listen to her story, what goes through your mind? I'd love to hear your feedback. You can email me at drmichaellens at gmail.com with the link in the show notes. If you like the podcast, share it with others. There are likely many people in your lives who need to hear this message. And the more people you can get this to, the more people you can help. This podcast is meant for you. If you have fibro, if you have a loved one who doesn't understand fibro but wants to learn more and for physicians, hit the like or subscribe or follow button. Next week, we will continue hearing more about Margaret's journey, learning more about fibromyalgia-related problems. Until next week, go Team Fibro.